So um, today we're going to continue our series, Crazy Church. How many of you have enjoyed this series, Crazy Church? We know that God's church is beautiful, right? It's beautiful that Jesus, he laid his life down for the church. How many excited for it? He's bought, he bought the church with his very blood, and the church is the body of Christ, the body of Christ. And we're looking through this series. How many of us, we, we'll be honest, we've had crazy things happen in church. We're just like, man, that shouldn't have happened. I remember one time I almost got in a fight with a guy at church. It was really sad. It was so sad. And it was after a revival meeting, which makes it even worse. You know, can I take it? It's going to get even worse. Say, look to your neighbor and say, it gets worse. You know, it gets worse because crazy things happen at church. And you might say, well, Pastor, that's really not that crazy because what happened to me? And I, I get it. I understand. But it was a revival meeting. I just got married. And we, it was just a good sermon. And the sermon was on point. And I was thinking about what I'm going to go eat after. And then all of a sudden, me and a brother in the parking lot, just one thing led to another. And then it escalated and it escalated. And then... Uh, it, 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 then people started looking and people started hearing. And then all of a sudden, I just remember going home so defeated. And going home so defeated. And me and that brother, there was a wedge between us for a long time. There was a wedge between us for a long time. I tried to, uh, you know, me and him, we, we had to talk the next day at the second day of revival. But there was not no revival taking place in our relationship. It was just like, it was like, there was just a wall there. And how many of you know the devil will attack you even in church? And I'm not going to say that I was all innocent in that because how many of you know sometimes we're guilty? There's two sides to every story, right? So if I'm over here trying to get the pulpit and say, man, I was innocent. It was his fault. No, I I had something to do with it. And uh, I need just to uh, shut my mouth and just smile and just not let that thing escalate. And uh, the reality is, is that now we came to a place of forgiveness. We're, we're, we're in a place where we talk, a place where we have a good relationship. And I'm so thankful because God is a God of reconciliation and restoration. But how many of us know that things can transpire in church in one second, in one instant, in the parking lot, in the church. And we all have these stories about church. And we know church can be crazy. Church can be crazy, but the reality is this is that there is no such thing as a perfect church. And there's no such thing as a perfect pastor. There's no such thing as a perfect parishioners. There's no such thing as the perfect elders. There's, there's no such thing as any of that. But what we're striving for is healthy. 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 Like Billy Graham said, he said these words, and it's something that we say over and over again. No church is a perfect because every church on earth is made up of imperfect, sinful people. So the, the, the goal of tonight is to remember that God's church should be a church of holiness, a church of health, and a church of wholeness, that we're striving for that. Is the remnant church of Whittier perfect? No, I wish we were, but we're not. You know why? Because we have Danny in it, and I'm not perfect. And then we have you in it, so we know it's not perfect. And then we got some members watching online, and we know you're not perfect. But we serve a perfect God. And he loves it. He loves this church so much. He gave his life for the church. He gave his life for it. So we don't want to ever get into comparisons. Our church is better than that church. And this church is better than this church. All the churches that are going forward for the Lord, you know what? They're doing God's work. And we commend them and we're happy for what's taking place over there at that church. And great things are taking place. Oh, thank you so much. All right. So I have this, oh, this sticker right here. 
um, the Remnant Church. So there's stickers in the back, and you can take them home, and you can put them on your car, or you could put them inside of your room or on your, your musical equipment, and right there, you know you're part of the Remnant Church, all right? So the Remnant Church, right there, that's so cool. Wow. Man, God is moving, huh? Thank you, G. Man, we came from the park, and we got stickers now, and we're going to be getting a building very soon. And um, Thank you, Eric. Appreciate it. And I was thinking about the building. I was like, man, I know it's going to happen. And God's time, you know, if the, Lord, the Lord tarries. But serving the Lord, the church is not the building. It's the people. It's the people. We are the body of Christ. So we got to remember the healthy church, the seven things we're going to be looking at uh, to, uh, throughout this series. And Brother George did an amazing job last Thursday night talking about the health of a church that is united. I got to tune into it the next day on YouTube, got to hear it. And it was just an amazing, amazing sermon. If you haven't got to watch it, I encourage you tonight to go home or tomorrow at work to listen to what he has to say out of the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So we're going to look through these seven. Uh, a healthy church, first off, a healthy church lives and leads with humility. Uh, number two, a healthy church is striving for unity. Number three, a healthy church teaches God's infallible word. Number four, a healthy church does not control people's lives but encourages them to honor God according to God's word. The next one, the healthy church evangelizes the loss. And this is important, and I, I can't wait until we, we hit on that, but they're not inward focused. They're outward focused. They're going outside of the four doors. Just this weekend, I was in Huntington Beach, and there was a man out there just street preaching. I was so blessed just to hear him preaching out there on the, right there in, in Huntington Beach and just declaring the name of Jesus and worshiping the Lord in front of all of those people. It was so awesome. Um, that's what we're called to do. The next one is a healthy church holds their leaders and pastors accountable. Um, you can say amen to that. Amen. Praise God. The next one is a healthy church places Jesus as in his supreme position as king and Messiah. It's not a member. It's not the pastor. It's not um, anyone. It's not even the name of the church. It's Jesus is the Messiah of the church. Amen. And that's what's so awesome about the Lord. Amen. So why don't we go ahead and get right into it. First Corinthians uh, chapter 4. And then we're going to go ahead and pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace, your goodness, your mercy. And we thank you that you, you paid the price with your blood for your church. I pray right now that you would lead us, you would guide us, you would strengthen us. And that you would help us to, to be the church you've called us to be. To grow more like you. To be more like you. And to, to do your will. We know we're living in the last days. And we know that you're coming for a bride without spot or wrinkle. You're coming for a church, Lord, without spot or wrinkle. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be that bride. Sanctify us, purify us through your, through your word and lead us by your Holy Spirit. And we pray that your hand and anointing would be upon tonight's message. And even, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for, that, for what you're going to do supernaturally over your people. Because we know you're a miracle working God and you're a supernatural working God. And we give you all the honor and all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name we all said, amen. So we're going to go to 1 Corinthians and when you get there say amen. 
And we're going to chapter 4. Paul, he says these words. A person should think of us in this way as servants of Christ and managers of the mysteries of God. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, you're a servant. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you're a manager. In this regard, it's required. Everyone say, it's required. Okay, so we're going to say it like we think it's required. It's required. It's required. Okay. It's required that managers be found faithful. It is of little importance to me that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. For I, am my, for I am not conscious of anything against myself, but I am not justified by this. It is the Lord who judges me. So do not judge anything prematurely before the Lord comes who will bring both to light that what is hidden in darkness and reveal the intentions of the heart and then praise will come to each of us from God. Now that's exciting news. And let me tell you why, church, because there's some things that we've done for God that no one has seen. And we don't want them to see, but at that moment in time, God's going to reward us. There's going to be some people that think, they think like a lot of times they're overlooked in church. There's some people that will never get behind this microphone, that will never be behind on any lights or never be on any videos. But the rewards they have in heaven are phenomenal because what they've done for the Lord, unseen, unseen unto the Lord is phenomenal because they have a heart for God and they have a heart to do things in secret. And that's what Paul's uh, making reference to, that all of a sudden God's going to reveal these things. The Bible says in verse 6, now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, nothing beyond what is written. The purpose is that none of you be, will be arrogant, favoring one person over another. For who makes you so superior? What do you have that you didn't receive? In fact, if you received it, why do you boast as if you hadn't received it? You are already full. You, you are already rich. You have already began to reign as kings without us. And so he's kind of being sarcastic with the church there. He's saying, you guys think you're all bad and things, all these things. And you guys are having these divisions over Apollos and Cephas and me and Jesus. And you guys need to get back to the basics of who Jesus is and that he's the one. Don't have divisions over this leader, that leader, and that leader, and that leader. And that's something very common in churches, okay? So he goes on to say this, uh, he says, if in fact you did receive it, why do you then boast as, as if you hadn't received it? You are already full. You are already rich. And then it goes on to say this. And, uh, and I wish you did reign so that we could also reign with you. Verse 9. For I think God has displayed us, the apostles, in last place like men condemned to die. We have become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to people. We are fools for Christ, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. Up to the present hour, we are both hungry and thirsty. We are poorly clothed. We are roughly treated. We are homeless. We are labor, working with our own hands. When we are, uh, ri uh, when we are cursed, we bless when we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we respond graciously. Even now, we are like scum, the scum of the earth, like everyone's garbage. Wow. Verse 14. I'm not writing this to shame you, but to warn you, dear children, for you may have countless instructors in Christ, but you don't have many fathers. 
For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. This is why I've sent Timothy to you. He is my dearly loved, faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you about my ways in Christ Jesus, just as I teach you everywhere in every church. Now, some of you are arrogant, as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills. And I will find out, not the talk, but the power of those who are arrogant. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. What do you want? Should I come to you with a rod, or in love, or in a spirit of gentleness? Okay, so right here, Paul, he's, he's addressing the church in Corinth, and he's, he's really addressing a lot of different issues. And one of the things that we do see mentioned in the beginning about the requirement of stewards. Now, I mentioned that we're all stewards. That means that God has entrusted us with talents. God has trust, entrusted us with time. God has entrusted us with certain giftings that we do have, whether it be education, our knowledge, our insight, our charisma, are certain things that God has basically, you know, just entrusted to us. And we all have certain talents that only you possess and no one else possesses them. You're unique. You are you're made in the image of God. Uh, God has created you with some tremendous gifts and assets that you can use for his honor and for his glory. So the question that we want to ask ourselves is what are you doing with your talents? What are you doing with your time? What are you doing with the things that God has blessed you with inside of your life? And then Paul, he gives this rhetorical question that's so awesome. He goes, but what do you have that you haven't received? See, a lot of times what happens to people is they look at their talents or they look at their abilities and they begin to think that it was something that came from them. When in reality, nothing comes from us. It has been entrusted to us. The time that we have, the talent that we have, the knowledge that we have, the education that we have, the family that we have. Yes, even the kids that you have have been entrusted to you. Your wife has been entrusted to you. Your, your, your husband has been entrusted to you. Your a job has been entrusted to you. The check you're getting this Friday, it's not yours. It's been entrusted to you by God. Even the favor you have has been entrusted to you by God. So he says this question, what do you have that... You haven't received. It's been given to you by the Lord. Now, how many of us parents, we ever bought our kids something and, 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 and you're, you gave it to them and then you need to use it for some weird reason? Like, hey, can I wear your gold chain? Can I wear the chain today? No, Dad, you can't wear that chain. It's my chain. And you're like, dang, I remember I bought that chain. You know, you think, okay, I gave it to you, and what, what's going on? Like, hey, what's, I'm the one who, and that's God. God has entrusted to us. He's entrusted to us all these great things, and they're not our own, but we've been given, and he's blessed us with them, right? So we're stewards. So that's the first thing I want to mention to you. You're a steward. You're a steward, and the Bible does say it's required in stewards that a man or a woman be found faithful. Now, for us tonight, we're going to be covering a question that I think is very important. And it's a question that I really hope you take notes on this. Or you, I really hope that, um, that you pay attention. It's very important. And we're going to cover um, th this question of a church, a healthy church, holding their leaders and their pastor accountable. What does that mean? And 
how can we do that? And why is that required in a church? So one of the things that we, that we know about church is sometimes tragedy strikes. And, and leaders and, and sadly sometimes in pastors' wives or in pastors or elders or deacons. And um, you look at history, you look at um, the Internet, you look at just recent things that have taken place these last years and goes all the way back to the beginning of church. Church scandals didn't start in 1988. Church scandals started when the church started. You think about Ananias and Sapphira. You think about Demas. You think about uh, Nicanor. You think about all these people. It's like a lot of people, man, it's just getting, no, this started in the very beginning. So how do we bring health? How do we bring transparency to the body of Christ? Um, And why is it so important? Well, well, let me say this about, uh, about church really quick. It's this. We can never put someone on a pedestal where we think that we don't have to interrogate them for what they're saying or weighing out or praising what's being preached. We can't just say, oh, you know, I take their word for it. Uh, yeah, you need to look for yourself in the Bible. Of Whatever comes behind this pulpit, is this uh, truly the word of God? Is it, is it, is it truly, uh, you know, is it just something that someone's trying to, you know, spin, or is this the word of God? And is it spoken humbly? Is it spoken with clarity? And is it spoken with integrity? Okay, so you think about that. They did a study of 246 ministers who had fallen into uh, moral disqualification. And they did this study, and they found four common threads that were found in all of them. And I want you to relate this not just to pastors, but I want you to relate it to yourself, okay? Leader. I believe there's many leaders here. And I believe there's many leaders watching online. And uh, this is something that you and I, we have to, um, we have to really th- think about, okay? So these, these things, the, all these men, they, they fell in a span of 24 months. So this, it was like this ripple effect, 24 months, two years, they all fell in the same way. Okay, and this is the thing that they found. Okay, none of the men was involved in any kind of real personal accountability. They didn't have real accountability. They didn't have, they were surrounded by yes men. They were surrounded by people that just said, oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes. They didn't have nobody say, hey, like, can you, can you clarify? And what is, you know, what does that mean? And, And can you show me in the Bible where does it say that or um, they never had someone say, hey, you know, I feel like you have a spirit of pride on you. I feel like, hey, where are you at during this hour and that hour? Can you be accountable with your time? So they had no real accountability in their life. Another thing is that each of these men, they had uh, ceased with their daily personal time of prayer, Bible reading, and worship. So all of a sudden, what begins to happen is people say, I don't need to pray. I don't need to read the Bible. I don't need to uh, I don't need to, um, you know, worship the Lord anymore. And they come into a place, and can I speak to ministry leaders? There's times where you're, you're, you're preaching or you're ministering, whether it be through song, and the anointing of God comes upon your life, and you go, oh, man, I'm good. I didn't pray today, but, man, God's still using me. But let me say this. God does that for his people. But you're an empty well, 
in an empty well. Uh, the Bible says we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. So if you're ministering from an empty well you're, and you're ministering from a spirit of pride, all of a sudden you think, you know what, I can just do it. I can just fake it to make it and God is going to show up and he does for his people. But what happens is, is that you become more empty and you become more proud thinking, man, this is me and I could just operate on a dime like, like that. And the reality is this, church, is that if you're going to preach or you're going to teach or you're going to outreach, even if you go outreaching, even if you're helping out a rural ranger, the missionettes, or your usher, your usher, we need to connect to the vine of the Holy Spirit. We need to abide in him. We really need to abide in the Lord every day. We can't go one day without prayer. One day. We cannot go one day without prayer. We have to pray every single day. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to pray today. Turn to your other neighbor and say, did you pray today? So, you know, I, I, I prayed for my food. No, you need to really pray. Really pray. When nobody's looking, you need to pray. Go pray. And I'm not trying to be legalistic. I'm trying to be realistic. There's too many people that have fouled because they don't pray. And we know the trite term, you don't pray, you don't stay. But there's some truth to that. Um, so they lost that communication. Ready for the next one? Are you guys ready? Are you guys say I'm ready for the next one? Okay, here's the next one. More than 80% of the men became sexually involved with another person after spending significant time with them, often in counseling situations, counseling them. So one of the safeguards we have done here at our church is we never counsel anyone of the opposite sex alone. So there's always that accountability of my wife there uh, with me or vice versa. Because we know that something that looks innocent can become something that's a tool of the enemy. Uh, you know, you could, oh, I'm just encouraging this, my sister in the Lord. Oh, we're just going on a jog together. We're just going to the gym together. We're just going to go get a burrito together and talk about Jesus together. We're, ju we're just going to go to the movies as the brothers and sisters in the Lord. We're, you know, we're just going to go get my glow-in-the-dark Bible. We're just going to go, we're just going um, to go, you know, in my room and pray together. No, you're not going to pray. You're going to play together. If you get, if you get it's not going to be good. There's, there's this inside of us, every single one of us, there's the carnal nature that wants to rise up. And it, it wants, the, the devil wants to act like it doesn't exist. Oh, I'm just on a different level. I'm like Paul, you know, just on a different plane. I've been caught up in the third heaven, and I don't think I'll go down to that level. No, any one of us, if we're not careful, we can fall into the trap of the devil. And, uh, and, if, and if you're here today and you say, man, I can't. No, we all can Okay, so the next one is this, is that, and this is important, we get it. Turn to your neighbor and say, we got to get this one. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I pray you get this one. Tell yourself, let me get it. <laughs> let me get it, Lord. Let me get it. The next one is this, is that each of them, the 246, they had been convinced that this sort of fall would never happen to them. 
Don't ever get to the place where this will never happen to me. And that's why we got to pray for each other. You got to pray. For, we got to pray for one another. And, and, we gotta, and you got to pray for me. You gotta, and I know you do. I can feel your prayers. You got to pray for me. And you, you got to pray for, for, for uh, the other um, people in the church. I got so blessed. I remember uh, when we were, we were at the uh, Lutheran church. And I remember there was this lady that I didn't really know. And she came up to, to talk to me after the service. And I was kind of, you know, just, okay, you know, hello. And, uh, but I remember all the sisters in the church, they were just, they all just came around. And I was just like, wow, praise God. This is like, wow, this is so awesome. Like, they're all around and they were just watching her like, this girl, where is she from? They're like, I said, man, these ladies are on fire for Jesus. And, and how many of us know we watch, you know, if we see a new guy in the church trying to talk to the girls, we're watching you. We're watching you and uh, we're keeping an eye on you. We're making sure, yeah, yeah, we're watching and we're, we're keeping an eye on the guy and we're keeping an eye on the, on the, on the girl. We're like, okay, we're watching. But sometimes things, they get beyond us. But what do we do in that time? We do pray. And if there's anyone here that's ever fallen, we do restore. That's important. We can never come to a place where we're like, oh, man, like, we give up on you. We have to have this heart to see restoration, to see healing, to see them being used by God in a greater way as they honor the Lord and serve him in humility. And so it's so important, church, that you and I, we look at these things and we look at these facts and we say to ourselves, okay, how can I uh, be that man and that woman that God has called me to be? So what do we have to do? We have to be faithful in our responsibilities, trustworthy in our actions, and have integrity in every area of our life. I remember a story of a man going to an Ivy League school, and he began to declare a, a, a speech. And the speech, he was speaking about integrity. He goes, today I'm going to do a speech on integrity. He was, I think, he's a professor. I forgot. He was an African-American professor. I know that. He started saying, I'm going to do a, 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 less, a, a speech today on integrity. And what happened was the whole crowd, they just started clapping. And they started just getting really excited. And he said, all, the reason why they were so excited is just because of integrity. That integrity, it, it stirred the people to go, you know what, man, this is awesome. This is what we need to hear about is integrity. Now, integrity today, church, is something that's so needed in the house of God. Integrity is something that's so needed in your house as well. Just even in your personal house, even just in, as a husband, as a wife, as a child, even as a leader of your ministry, you need integrity inside of your life. What is integrity? Integrity is if someone gave you extra change. Let's say you're a cashier and someone gave you, you know, 20 extra dollars. Integrity you say, you know what, I got 20 of your dollars right here. Here's your $20 bill back. You know what, you gave me too much. I was so blessed recently. I went to a, a man, a man called me from our church and he told me, Pastor, you overpaid me a reimbursement. And he called me and I was like, man, he called me. He's like, hey, Pastor, you overpaid me a reimbursement. And it was an overpayment of $800. And I remember going to his house and I remember picking up the check and I was just like, I was blown away. I said, you know what? Man, he could have said, thank you, Jesus. Oh, God's blessing me. Oh, man, God is good. Oh, man, yeah, wow, thank you, Jesus. But he had integrity to know that, you know what, this is what 
I did, and this is the receipt of what I did, and this is not, you know, this is, this is what is true. This is integrity. And integrity does that. Integrity says, you know what, even when nobody's looking, that's what integrity does. Even when nobody's watching, that's what integrity does. Even when you're at your job and something happens where you have a chance to make a hustle. We got any hustlers in here? What does integrity say? Integrity says do the right thing. Uh, recently on our insurance, uh, there was some property that was stolen. And uh, there, was, there was one portion where um, we could have we put on our, our records that all this stuff was donated to us. But it wasn't. It wasn't. It really wasn't. So what do we have to do? We had to bite the bullet. But that's integrity. You have to bite the bullet sometimes. Sometimes you have to say, Lord, you're still good. And this is a loss, but you're going to do something supernatural. And so integrity, what it does is it bites the bullet. Another thing that integrity does is it sets people in place to hold you accountable. That means that somebody can tell you no. Or someone can tell you, hey, you know what, I think that's a bad idea. And you don't get offended by it, but you go, you know what? I need integrity. That's good. I need that. I need that accountability. Because sometimes we have blind spots. I know I do. But when you have a multitude of counselors, the Bible says there's safety. So when you have the multitude of people, there's safety in that place. There's, there's, there's something that takes place in that place. And God's able to what? God's able to uh, use you. So accountability is something that we all need in our life. But the, re the reality is that accountability is a two-way street. You, you cannot thrive in accountability if you're not honest. You cannot have accountability if you're not open. You cannot have uh, accountability working in your favor if you're not being transparent. If you, you, accountability only works if you're truthful when they say, how are you doing? You don't say, I'm doing great. Tell them, you know what, I'm battling right now. Can I be open? Let's go get a cup of coffee. This is what's going on and that's what I'm facing. I was tempted and I, and I did this and it was bad. And, and then all of a sudden right there, there's healing in that place. See, there's no healing when we say, I'm good. There's no healing in that place. There's no healing. I'm good. I'm, I'm going to battle this through. It's, it's good. It's, we're good. We got this. No. There's, a, there's healing when you say, man, oh, I messed up. I, I really did. And I need help. And I'm not praying the way I need to pray. I'm not, I'm not fasting anymore. I'm, I'm, not, I, I'm in the night. This is what's going on. I, I need accountability in my life. And that's why I'm so blessed by these pure life classes because, man, we get real in those classes. We get so real. And there's just so much healing in that place. It's just healing in that place. It's so beautiful. And um, one of the great things that I want to say to you, church, is this, is that accountability will only work if it's a two-way exchange and also if you out answer honestly, and there's vulnerability. There's vulnerability there. See, today, church, if we flirt with sin, we will fall into sin. If we flirt with it, if we go to those places that we know we're going to be tempted at, if we go on our phones at that time of night, we know we shouldn't be on our phone. If we're, if we're around those, those, 
those coworkers and we know we're going to want to drink a beer again. We're going to want to just go out again. When we, when we get on those, when we see those DMs right there, those DMs, and you know you should have deleted that person a long time ago. You know you should have, but you're just playing with it. Can we be real tonight? Some of you, you, you need to let go of that Instagram. I'm telling you the truth because that Instagram is going to just take you out. One of the safeguards me and my wife has set up, it's pretty crazy. I think it's awesome, but we set up our Instagram together. We set up our Facebook together. We set up our, everything that we do, we do together. Because when we had barely joined social media, what happened was, is that we were, and I'm not saying this is for everybody, but this has worked great for us. It might not work for you. Uh, maybe your wife just has your po- uh, passwords. That's awesome. That's great. I understand that. But for me and my wife, what happened was we were getting, she was getting messages from, from, from I, was, I was like, I seen this message. Hey, who does this guy think he is right here? <laughs> hey, Sabrina, how's it going? And I'm like, I said, oh, no, lying devil. The Bible says that we're not ignorant of his devices, and the devices, that's an Old Testament term that's used in the social media as well. How many of us know we're not ignorant how the devil tries to mess with our devices? Our phone devices, our tablet devices, our laptop devices, our devices. He's trying to mess with our devices. And, oh man, I feel like I just hit a thread and I'm staying here. I'm not going nowhere right now. I'm staying here right now. Some of you right now, like Joseph was tempted by Potiphar's wife, and she said, let me go to bed with you. There's some people that are messaging you online the same thing, the same thing. They're telling you things. They're, they're sending thirst traps your way, thirst traps to trap you to, oh, my gosh, right now. I feel like the Holy Spirit is ministering to some of you right now. Because you're about to fall for the fried ice cream. You're about to fall for that guy that doesn't care about you. He just cares about one thing. And he, he likes, he's sending that same message to your friends. He's sending that same message to, you know, that guy is sending that same message all over the place. He's demon possessed. And there will be a transferring of spirits in your life. And you're going to have heartache and pain in your life if you give in to that. I believe it. So what my encouragement to you, even if you've made mistakes, is cut it off. Cut it, cut it off. What I mean by that, cut it off, cut it off with those messages. Don't even, hey, how's it going? And don't, don't rationalize, you know, your spirituality. Oh, I'm just trying to reach a soul right now. No, they're trying to take you to hell. They're trying to take you down. They're trying to take you down. And I, I hate to say it, but I, I need to say it, is this, is that don't forfeit what God has for you. If, even if you've made mistakes, you're like, well, I've already made mistakes, so what's the use? You know what? God gives second chances. God gives third chances. God gives four chances. God is a God that will take people who have made sexual mistakes and he'll make those things, he'll take those things from you and you'll be living a pure life. You'll be living a, a pure, righteous life. How do I know? Because I know there's people in this place that you've been delivered from the power of sin. You've been set free. You've been delivered. You've, you've been bought with the price. It doesn't mean you don't get tempted anymore. It just means you know where to run to when you're tempted. You know where to go when you're tempted. You have a relationship with Jesus 
in the Holy Spirit and you're just like, you know what, I'm going to serve God because I know someday I'm going to see my husband come in this place and I'm going to wait for him. Even though that I've made mistakes, but you know what, I'm going to wait for him now and I'm going to go forward for Jesus. Jesus, you are the man of my life. From this moment on, I'm going to serve you with all of my heart. I'm going to serve you with all of my life all my soul. And for us that are married, and for us that are married, you and I are not going to play with that. We're not going to play with that because it's real. It's a real thing. For us that are married, there's, there, there is, there's no, there's, what, the best way I can describe it is this. For us that are married, we need to fall in love with our wife every day. We need to fall in love with her every day. Just like we fall in love with Jesus every day. Just like we fall in love with the Lord every day. Just take her, take her out on dates again. Go back to your first love. Go back to your first love. Remember when you just met her. When you just met her, just go back to that place and just, you know what, Lord, just, we can even pray. We got to do a marriage seminar here at our church very soon. Lord, just revive that our marriages, Lord. Revive our marriages. And for you, and you might say, well, man, I'm just, it just, I'm just unhappy or, you know, he doesn't meet, he doesn't talk to me or she doesn't, this and that. Can I say this? Just fall in love with Jesus and pray yourself through your marriage. Because let me say this, there's going to be tough times. Can we be real? Marriage is tough. There's tough times in marriage. And you need Jesus. You need Jesus to get you through those tough times. And you that are single, you think, oh, when I get married, it's going to be easy. No. You think it's tough now? Wait till you get married. That's why you need Jesus now. That's why you need Jesus now. And so today, as the worship team makes their way up here, I'm not here to condemn you. I know that all of us here today, we all have one thing in common. We've all made mistakes, myself included. And the Bible says there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. When we make mistakes, we're not to run out of the body of Christ. We're not to run away and isolate. But we're to stay in. So we can be restored, so we can be healed, so we can be held accountable. See, once, many times what happens when we're dealing with things is we want to run. We want to run to another ministry. We want to run to a people even, I want to run to another marriage. I want to run to, I want to run to another city. Oh, if, if, if. It's because I'm in the wrong city. I'm in the wrong church. I'm in the wrong family. I'm in, I'm in the wrong job. I'm in the wrong, I'm, I'm in the wrong, uh, this, this thing's wrong, that thing's wrong, that thing's wrong. And many times when we're going through the, 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 the times of testing and times of accountability, we want to run. Can I, this, to this evening, let's stop running away. And let's start running to him. Let's start running to him. When things get tough, let's run to him. Let's run to him. Let's, let's not run to, to, to the world. Let's not run to, to our social media. Let's not run to, to alcohol. Let's not run to, to this thing, to that thing. Let's not run. Let's run to him. The Bible says, moreover, it is required in a steward that a man, that a woman be found faithful. 
what I see there in that text is I see someone with integrity, someone that's been entrusted with the gifts and the oracles of God, the mysteries of God, something that's so beautiful as that. And tonight, church, you and I as believers, as Christians, let's not run. When times get tough in our marriage, let's not run. Let's not run to pornography. Let's not run to, 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 to anything. You singles out there, don't run to that guy. Don't run to that guy. Please don't run to that guy. Don't run to that girl. Don't run to that girl. God's going to bring. They might even be here already. You just might not notice them yet. One day you just be like, wow, where have you been all my life? Let's not run. Just let God do his work and let God hook you up. Let God hook you up. He, he's, he's the best matchmaker there is. God is. He really is. And 